Hey, Skiba News Nation family, thank you for watching. Please like, share, and subscribe. You can also help support this channel by getting yourself some Skiba News Nation merch. Also, we are proud to announce that we are now on Patreon, where you will get bonus content, shoutouts, and much more. Thank you again for watching and helping us stay on the quest for truth. Huge shout out to all our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do this show without you. If you want to help support us, go to patreon.com forward slash Nation. We are also proud to announce that Skiba News Nation podcast is now available on podcast platforms. I don't care what it costs. I want to know what the truth is. And I hope that people, my son, anybody, if my name comes up, whether you like me, whether you agree with me or not, at least you can respect the fact that he's on a quest for truth. He's on a quest for truth. Welcome to Skiba News Nation. Bringing you unfiltered views, news, interviews, discussions, and more. And now, here's your host, Jeremiah Skiba, award-winning musician and son of Rob Skiba. Hey, Skiba News Nation family, welcome to episode 20 of Skiba News Nation. I'm your host, Jeremiah Skiba. Today we're going to be talking about killer drones in the future modern warfare, central bank digital currency warning video, more sudden deaths of young people, NASA launches study on UAPs or UFOs, diesel shortage leaves the US high and dry, terrifying electric car battery fire, harp experiments, an all-new Opus Corner, and for history, we're going to be talking about Bob Saget's mysterious death and the genius of Norm Macdonald, memes, and much more, so stay tuned. Now, without further ado, let me introduce my co-host, Jake Grant. Welcome, Jake. How you doing? Hello, Jeremiah. How are you doing, man? Good, man. I, I'm pretty good. Uh, I have some exciting stuff to share with you guys. Just this weekend, my father-in-law had me out to help harvest... 80 hives worth of bee uh, goodies, you know. Uh, so I have some video clips I wanted to share with everyone. And then, of course, today we have some great news. So I'm excited to be back here on Skiba News Nation. Cool, man. Looking forward to it. How have to... you been? What have you been up to? Same old, same old. Just getting ready for the show, pretty much. And uh, making good content for you guys trying to keep up with it so i think we got a good history segment today it kind of covers a lot of different things so awesome i'm excited to i'm excited to see it and uh do you want to see some of the clips i got from our harvest of the uh the golden delicious sure let's see it all right check this out so we uh we started the harvest collecting this is me taking the video, and by the way, it's really hard to film when you're in a bee suit. <laughs> but uh, you can see there are literally clumps of bees right here, all flying around. Uh, whenever we were collecting the honey, they got angry, and so they started to leave the hive, and, and they'd group up here. And here's kind of our, our truck rig we'd load all the hives onto, and here's all the hives kind of lined up there. 
and there were a bunch of angry bees. I'll tell you what, man. I'm glad I had a, a suit on because they were coming after us. Um, but here's a, a little clip of... Oh, don't want to show you that yet. Here's a, a clip of our harvesting setup. I was showing my daughter uh, kind of all the, the bees flying around. And this is a spinner right here. And we use the honey spinner to kind of extract the, the honey from the frames. And so uh, this is me kind of working out there in my bee suit after we had collected the honey. Uh, here's a, a funny picture of uh, a couple <laughs> bees of me in my bee suit. A bee right on my head kind of riding around he stayed on there for like a like an hour that day he just sat on top of my head and chilled i, could, I couldn't do then, that man i could not do <laughs> that pretty, pretty freaky but hey this is what it was for the golden delicious look at that right out of the hive and you can see the bees they like land right on here and some of them even go for a little ride uh down the stream of honey but we would filter it and we bottle it, bottle it up and uh, so uh, it was a really great experience going through the whole thing. I'm, I'm now an official uh, bee tender or beekeeper and um, to get in on my first big honey harvest was a, a blast to be able to participate. Um, but yeah, man, these bees were insanely angry and all day <laughs> they, they actually found us. We drove like a mile down the road to collect the honey from the hives that we had taken mm. and when we left with the hives and the frames there was no bees in them because we kind of shoot them all out uh, and they after like a couple hours they found us over a mile away and these massive swarms started coming out and uh and they were like landing on the the tables here and they're trying to get the honey as we were collecting it in the buckets um but yeah we're, we're gonna be selling some honey here in a couple weeks uh from the harvest and i'm really excited man it was delicious but that's kind of what i've been up to this past weekend you know I've, of course as we got done with uh Sukkot last week um this was a, a a little extra trip we came back to kentucky and now that we've finished the harvest we're back out here in missouri so um that was just kind of personally what i've been up to and i just wanted to share with you guys because it's super cool um uh, just seeing how it's done because there's not many jobs out there where you can have millions of angry women working for you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, we, we got some of that honey and, um, and other than that, man, I'm ready to get into some news if you are. All right, man. Let's dive right into current news. Now, uh, I'm excited to announce this short article here in relation to what I just shared. The, uh, the, the good news this week is Minnesota will now pay homeowners to replace lawns with bee-friendly wildflowers, clover, and native grasses. So hmm. I figured it was kind of uh, an interesting tie-in with the current news and some of the, the bee uh, extravaganza I just shared with you guys. Um, and uh, this week we're going to be talking a little bit about um, some big tech movements uh, in terms of uh, there's a uh, kind of a, an interesting thing happening with 
federal judges ordering Fauci and the White House to testify on COVID-19 big tech collusion. So that just recently came out this week. Uh, so I wanted to start off uh, looking into this topic of um, of how the World Economic Forum and big tech and big pharma are all kind of running in the same circles, right? Mm -hmm. We already know this, but there's an interesting change of the UK Prime Minister who the new UK Prime Minister is a gentleman who was a former Goldman Sachs banker and World Economic Forum member and the central bank digital currency salesman is now the UK Prime Minister, uh, this gentleman Rishi Sunak. And it brings up the topic of a central bank digital currency because we are now in the the post-crypto revolution, right? So there was this whole push for cryptocurrencies uh, over the past uh, four or five years of people adopting them. But now that the central banks and the banking systems have figured out how they want to move forward, we're going to see more government-backed cryptocurrencies um, and a crackdown on traditional cryptocurrency uh, kind of the revolutionary mindset of oh we can use this to get out of the system well now they're going to use it to completely ball and chain you to the system and so Man. I wanted to go ahead and show this video Opa you have it uh, it's the central bank digital currency and a dystopian nightmare um, and so this is from uh, Breaking Points YouTube channel but wanted to watch this with you guys and maybe we can discuss it after the video Jeremiah alright Hi there, my name is James Lee. Welcome to another segment of 5149 on Breaking Points, where we dive into different topics at the intersection of business, politics, and society. And today we're going to talk about central bank digital currencies, aka a digital dollar, specifically one that could be issued by the U.S. government. Is the Fed working on a digital dollar? We are actually evaluating that. Most um, major countries uh, are now looking at, at the possibility of having a digital currency and really asking the question, in our very modern advanced economy with a, with a, a fast, efficient, full-blown payment system, would adding a, a, a digital currency, a form of digital currency, would it actually benefit the public that we serve? That's the question that we're asking. We're working very hard on that. Chairman of the Fed, Jerome Powell, says the issuance of a central bank digital currency hinges on whether or not it would benefit the public. So let's look into that today, but also Let's look into other reasons why the U.S. government, along with many other governments, is seriously exploring the creation and implementation of a central bank digital currency, abbreviated CBDC. Now, this is just recent news. As of last week, October 12, 2022, U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, in a conversation at the International Monetary Fund's annual meeting, stressed the need for more central bank digital currency work, citing that a CBDC has many advantages and the potential to solve numerous problems. We'll talk about some of those touted advantages in a minute here, but first, let's define what a CBDC is exactly. A very strange day is coming to America. In short, a massive and surprising new transition could soon determine the next group of millionaires while leaving 99% of the public- This is an ad, by the way. A central bank digital currency, or CBDC, is a digital form of a country's currency operated by the central bank. Similar to cash, the central bank would issue its digital currency to allow people to make everyday transactions. Many governments, including the UK, Sweden, 
Hong Kong, Australia, and the US are all exploring ways digital currency could work. So CBDCs are digital forms of sovereign currencies issued by the central bank, and the concept has been gaining steam all over the world. According to the Atlantic Council, 109 countries representing about 95% of the world's GDP are currently exploring a CBDC, with some countries in the advanced stages of development, with almost a quarter of those countries having either launched or currently in the pilot phase of development. So this is a big deal, and I think it might be wise of us to explore a potential or perhaps even probable future where most, if not all, transactions are facilitated via a central bank digital currency. Huang Dan just paid with a new type of money at this pharmacy. That's because China's paper cash is going digital. The digital yuan is meant to be faster than using credit or debit cards on digital wallets like Apple Pay. Plus, there are other incentives, like zero transaction fees for merchants, and one day it'll even work offline. So the one thing I need to stress for those of you who may not be super well-versed in this topic is that proponents of a central bank digital currency like the managing director of the International Monetary Fund, the IMF, who recently touted CBDCs as, quote, the future of money will often emphasize benefits like the potential to offer consumers a form of digital currency with more resilience, more safety, greater availability, and lower costs compared to other forms of digital currencies like Bitcoin or Ethereum, but conveniently will at the same time de-emphasize the inherent dangers of a CBDC, like the fact that a government-issued digital dollar would come with significant trade-offs in regards to personal privacy and trust. The digital yuan is meant to be faster than using credit or debit cards on digital wallets like Apple Pay. But one major difference is that the digital yuan is 100% trackable by China's central bank. The central bank will know who's paying, how much they're paying, when they're paying, where they're paying, and then to analyze the patterns of payment, it means that the Chinese government could set up a whole lot of things to have your currency maybe valid or invalid based on its own priorities. This is almost like handing over the keys to your business or to your finance department in some ways because you really can't control what at the end of the day may happen with the, the funds that you're holding. Now, I'm not a crypto bro or anything like that, so by no means am I here to shill for Bitcoin, Ethereum, or any other crypto. And I'm also not under any false pretense that we aren't already being monitored to some degree through other means like smartphones, credit cards, and CCTV cameras by centralized government agencies or corporate entities. But I also do think that it's important to highlight that unlike private cryptocurrencies, which are decentralized by design, a CBDC like the digital yuan is very centralized and will by design hand over more power to just a few individuals or institutions by giving them the ability to potentially control and socially engineer behavior at a societal level. I don't know about you, but the dystopian social credit score episode from <laughs> the Black Mirror a few years back comes to mind for me. I was gonna say But of course that. the examples we've covered today have been mostly from China and China has a very different culture, both politically and socially compared to the US. So this type of control couldn't possibly be implemented in the US, could it? This is reporting from The Hill. In a 2021 question and answer session about the development of a digital dollar, 
David Anofato, a senior vice president and economist in the St. Louis Fed's research division, was asked whether the Fed could, quote, assure us, the public, that these digital currencies won't ever be used to tell us when, how, or where our money can be spent. He responded, quote, in life, one can't give absolute assurances of anything before suggesting that the best we can hope for is for Congress to respond to the electorate's concerns about privacy. Not exactly reassuring, uh, if only we voted harder, everything would be all good kind of answer. And, and I think this is even more alarming. Just last week, October 18th, 2022, Roll Call reported that the Fed could potentially issue a digital dollar without congressional legislation. Aaron Klein, a Brookings Institution Senior Fellow of Economic Studies, warned that at one point, Chairman of the Fed Jerome Powell said legislation was needed. He then changed his tune to say that the Fed wouldn't act first without consulting with Congress and having congressional buy-in. Very different. So it's entirely possible that our surveillance state could expand without any democratic intervention. For early digital yuan winners like Huang, he says the trial went smoothly, and if the currency does go mainstream, he expects the surveillance aspect will matter less to him. There's an old Sun Tzu quote from The Art of War that goes something like, the greatest victory is that which requires no battle. You see what I'm getting at, the convenience factor. People don't want to have their privacy invaded, but by creating just the right conditions, skyrocketing inflation and economic recession, suppression of labor rights and widening wealth inequality, people could easily be persuaded to opt into something like a digital currency, voluntarily giving up their financial data to the government, just like that, right? With many people living paycheck to paycheck, just trying to make ends meet, sometimes working multiple jobs, any extra added bit of convenience in any aspect of life sounds like a much needed positive relief. So naturally, we may willingly just give up control, give up our privacy because it might be the only logical choice that we have. So central bankers belatedly admit, oh, oh, now that you've mentioned it, uh, yes, banks create the money supply. Um, so uh, let's abolish that now. And also, by the way, let's abolish cash. So what should we do? Well, introduce digital cyber currency that central banks issue and control and thereby gain total control over all economic transactions, decisions, and the whole lot you've just heard from the CEO of the GDI. So the greatest concentration of central banking power in history is really the bid they're aiming at. That's the central bank's goal. And of course, digital accounts of um, dissenters and regime critics could be switched off. It'd be very difficult to even purchase necessities. And why is the sudden discussion about universal basic income from all the grassroots and inverted commas movements and billionaires? Oh, universal basic income is the bribe for you to accept the microchip. The overarching trend of the 20th century is concentration of power in the hands of the few. That's what we have to keep in mind. We have to work against this. We don't want to have these unaccountable central planners making decisions. We need decentralization. And the solution, therefore, is to maintain public money in the hands of local community banks, decentralize decision-making, give local people the power in the form of local public banks and local not-for-profit community banks. That was Professor Richard Warner, who wrote a best-selling book called The Princes of Yen, where he explored the role and power of central banks and how they could be used to change a country's economic, political, and social structures 
Uh, it was actually recommended to me by a fellow viewer, and it's a fascinating deep dive into the rise and fall of the Japanese economy. Anyway, my warning, a CBDC could never achieve such lofty goals such as inclusion and equity because it necessarily concentrates power and control into the hands of a few. And to Professor Warner's point, the solution isn't necessarily about more or less government regulation, but about creating and enforcing rules and regulations that decentralize power and resources. That is how we foster a society that protects individual liberties while also incentivizing competition and opportunities for everyone. Those are my thoughts about the rapid rise Alrighty. of central bank digital currencies. I hope you found this. So, wow, I mean, we can get into a little discussion here uh, about this topic, but it's literally breaks down the benefits you gain are equal or equivalent to the freedoms that you give away. Mm -hmm. And just to remind everyone, you know, this is prophesied in the book of Revelation that this central bank digital currency era is going to take place. And at some point, part of the world governance is going to be, uh, you know, a fulfillment of these prophetic verses right here. And it's, it says in Revelation 13, 11 through 17, then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence. And it makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose mortal wound was healed. It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people. Um, and by the signs that is, it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on the earth, telling them, to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. And here's where we get into CBDC and how this could uh, apply to these prophetic verses. And it also causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or on the forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. And that is the name of the beast or the number of its name. Now, of course, this is a mystery as to how, you know, this is going to actually be fulfilled and prophetically play out in the future. But whenever we see things like the central bank digital currency and how they're literally touting the social credit score model that we saw in china that we saw in that black mirror episode i know you you were saying mm -hmm. you were going to make a comment on that jeremiah very very similar uh, yeah it's it's the whole premise that when everything you do everything you buy all the commerce is uh tied to the big watching eye right Mm -hmm. then it makes you wonder, okay, all the things that have happened in the last two years that have dramatically poured fuel on the fire, escalating the implementation of this new world order, right? It makes me think back to the Great Reset, right? Which was the economic recovery plan drawn up by the World Economic Forum in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. And, um, and it then was featuring the then prince of, of wales charles iii this guy who is now the king after the the passing of the queen uh was tied to the great reset 
And it says the Great Reset was to be the theme of the 2021 World Economic Forum annual summit in Davos, Switzerland, uh, and was scheduled for January, but due to disruption, it was postponed till May and again to 2022. However, the 2022 theme was history at a turning point, um, and the summit was dominated by the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And so all of these elements together, you have uh, the world uh, destabilization due to the pandemic, you have the destabilization uh, due to um, the invasion of Ukraine and the line party lines being drawn as different countries start to implement their central bank digital currencies, that's when you see uh, some kind of conflict rising because um, in the past, most wars uh, were fought because of monetary issues between two big you know, state heads, right? Mm -hmm. And so this goes into this war with Ukraine and, and you know, Ch China, Russia, India the, and versus the West. Um, and, and then it makes me want to look into this topic uh, of warfare. Um, and so we can discuss this a little bit more if you have any other thoughts. But I just wanted to keep people aware that uh, the Great Reset is – we are being reset – and part of the solution is central bank digital currency, which is going to equal less freedoms, more tracking, more control from the government in your life. And uh, so what are some of your thoughts over that video, Jeremiah? Well, I came up with some notes and you kind of you kind of got everything that I was going to say. I was I wrote down uh, when the government starts getting involved, uh, that's not a good thing. I mean, they, they want to control everything they can about us and could the one world can one world banking be the beginning stages of the new world order because it's kind of seems like that it seems like it's you know what weren't wasn't something like that on the guidestones about one world banking everybody's connected lots of weird stuff yeah yeah i mean i think what struck me as really interesting uh, is whenever you get benefits, you give away freedoms. And that seems to be the model because most people want to stand up for freedom until the right circumstances arise where they're willing to give it away. And everybody wants convenience. Well, um, with uh, you know how the economy is going, how the, the, the dollar and inflation and first the coming deflation, then the hyperinflation, and then the complete destruction of the petrodollar system is looming in the future. It's now talked about by economists not as a possibility, but as the certainty that we are headed towards a, a shifting of the chips, so to speak. And that's why they're rushing to figure out uh, how to plug in these CBDCs, uh, central bank digital currency systems. And, um, and during all uh, wars in the past, there generally was a monetary kind of conflict, whether it was the rise of, uh, you know, a certain uh, economic power that was challenging another. Um, it, it caused me to want to share this uh, future of the world wars, right? We had World War One, mm -hmm. we had World War Two. Now we are entering into possible World War drone. <laughs> the first world war fought by drones so uh we have a video here opa it's um 
killer drones vying for supremacy over Ukraine. Let's look at the technology that there would that we will be using in wars in the coming future. So what is dropping those bombs? Yeah, so it's demonstrating how uh, they are precise, small in size, and able to effectively penetrate air defenses when fired in groups, and they're very cheap. Um, and this article that was from that video talks about how killer drones have cemented their reputation as potent, cost-effective weapons that can seek out and destroy targets while simultaneously spreading the kind of terror that can fray the resolves of soldiers and civilians alike. Um, and, man, as we talk about how this technology is being used, um, if, if there were to be a conflict in your neck of the woods, um, this is what would be used in a, any modern engagement um, they're, they're surpassing missiles as the remote weapon of choice, and it's been known as the poor man's cruise missile. Because what they're doing is they're flying the drone with a grenade attached to it, and they can fly it so high that mm -hmm. it, it's, it's, you know, almost like a marksman's... That's uh, like undetectable. Game. Undetectable. And it's quiet. quiet. Yep. Advancement of technology changes not only our our currency it doesn't change it changes how we interact with one another and it also changes how the game of war is played uh so um, everybody pretty, get your drones get your drones and let's start practicing taking these other drones down let's go yeah drone warfare world war drone um all right so uh, i just wanted to share that um we can move on to uh, another uh, funny post. Uh, you know, we're entering into Halloween se uh, season, and uh, I thought this was uh, kind of interesting. It's so strange how people are fulfilling their obsession for attention by pretending to be offended by everything that their media handlers tell them they can be offended about. Toughen up, cupcakes. We aren't buying it. And uh, it says, men who pretend to be women. And it's a guy like, yeah, that's good. But then here it's, you know, kids pretend to be Indians on Halloween. No! <laughs> appropriation! <laughs> that is kind of funny because, you know, like the Cleveland Indians changed their name to the Guardians because, you know, it's so offensive to be called Cleveland Indians even though Native Americans love the team. It's so crazy. Yeah. It's, the, it's the crazy white people. <laughs> it's the crazy liberals that, that are the ones that are trying to stop it all. It's just crazy. Craziness. Welcome to Clown World. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It uh, it brings to mind uh, this recent story from Elon Musk, and it says this: Elon Musk blames woke colleges for turning his transgender daughter Vivian, who's 18, against him, and accuses America's elite institutions of teaching full-on communism. Um, so <laughs> it's it's a uh, 
you know, it's pretty pretty true. I mean, the comment under here is Elon is officially a boomer, blaming woke colleges for his own failures as a father. Father, um, but these agendas are being pushed on the next generation, and I don't know if you saw that uh, Prime Stein ninety nine uh, clip that's going around of uh, a protest that happened at Penn State College, and uh, some girl just like hauls off and spits a loogie on him. Uh, for, and they call him you know, fascist. And, yeah, fascist. You know, they're yeah. He's my friend. We uh, yeah. I need to. I still need to ask him to be on the show. But but he uh, he's always busy. But he he um, when he posted that, I was like, oh my gosh, like that's that's insanity. That's that's yeah. colleges. You know, are just. It, it used to be a place where you could discuss. You used to be able to have a, a healthy and happy discussion and agree to disagree at the end of the day, but now you can't. And that's kind of what he was showing in that video, I think. I mean. Yeah, exactly. And it shows also how kind of red hot angry uh, people mm -hmm. who are lulled into the sense of social justice get that uh, pretty much um, they'd be willing to just execute somebody if, if they had that power and you were on the opposing side it felt it's almost as if they feel they're doing justice and so they get so pumped up and angry and and vicious about it and then uh, unfortunately they're just on the wrong side of the fence and they don't realize that they've been had by special interest groups that are funding the the media and are funding the you know whoever uh, has them out there protesting well, and they do so much damage and stuff. But look at the Jan Six people; they're they're in in federal prisons for no charges. It's like Guantanamo Bay. They're they're being yeah, held. Yeah. It, it's so it's so like it doesn't it doesn't match up the crimes. Like they do way more, and then the Jan Six people just went inside of a building. You know, that's how I feel about it. Yep. I mean, it's all because they're funded by Soros. And that's a great comment leading into this interesting meme picture. <laughs> it's a guy who looked kind of like a, a Soros or a Rockefeller reading a book. It says, Marionettes Monthly. Oh, look, they come in different colors. Because, <laughs> you, know? you know, these are the guys that are pulling the strings behind the scenes. They're funding the protesters. They're funding the media. They're funding the, the study groups. They're funding the pharmacological research that has biased uh, uh, kind of one-sided perspectives of different pharmaceutical products. They're biased when it comes to politics because they're just trying to get the people that'll push through their interests. Um, and and they're literally the marionette masters. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody talks about who, who, who do we blame? Who do we point the finger at? Because they, you know, in quotes, is so vague. It's so hard to figure out you know who to track down and actually point the finger at um, well a lot of these people where the money comes from are the ones that we can identify as having a direct role in the agendas being pushed on the world um, so mm -hmm. this leads us into uh, some interesting uh, medical news I know we cover this pretty commonly on the show and we'll be very careful um, uh, New York Supreme Court reinstates NYC workers fired under arbitrary and capricious Cove jab mandates. And um, 
and so finally there's kind of some retribution for some city employees um, and uh, the mandate had them fired four months after it was given uh, and um, it was not about public health but it was about compliance is what the Supreme Court ruled uh, which is a vindication for many people that were kicked out of their jobs pretty much um, it says here uh, nearly 1,500 New York City workers, including police officers, lost their jobs due to, this, to the city's discriminatory mandate. Um, and so it's not only them, but uh, many thousands of New Yorkers and many, many thousands and thousands uh, nationwide were fired from their jobs for refusing this um, COVID authoritarianism and the mandates that were pushed. Um, but they're finally getting retribution legally. Um, but what's significant to me, right, is that um, there are so many people in the media that pushed um, conformance to these mandates. And even the celebrity ilk who at the upper echelons were going out and saying, hey, look at me. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm going to get it in my arm. Uh, now there's something I can kind of identify as the, the adverse uh, adverse reaction wink that mm -hmm. all these famous uh, celebrities now have bodily issues and obvious adverse effects that they didn't have before all the boosters, before all the shots. Uh, and so that's something that it's just, it's sad. But you you see the the rational transition of events between somebody pushing for uh, the mandates, somebody participating in the experiment, and then revealing themselves to have many adverse effects. And it's not just, um, you know, celebrities like Bieber and Katy Perry and, uh, and whatnot, but, um, you know, <laughs> there's this funny meme I found. It says, when you're both pro-V, and it's two test dummies about to make out, right? Whenever you double down and you, you know, push through the agendas that you've not questioned or, or that the media doesn't want you to question, you become a test dummy. And unfortunately, that's kind of what happened on a, a vast majority of people. But, of course, you know, it's good that there's people that are finally vindicated for standing up uh, about, you know, about their beliefs regarding taking the mandate and uh, participating in a system that was forcing something uh, on you in an experimentary fashion. Um, here's a picture. I identify as naturally immune and my pronouns are they lied. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, not to hammer at home, I know we've covered this a lot, but whenever you go into the medical system, whenever you go to a hospital, uh, you're kind of signing a contract for your life over to them. Mm -hmm. You have to trust so much in these medical systems. Here's a story that came out of a former nurse at a North Carolina hospital who was charged with murder of two patients and the attempted murder of a third. And I believe in this case, it was regarding um, insulin uh, overdoses. Um, but um, what I was trying to you know, associate this story with is just the fact that so many people over the past few years 
uh, they blindly trusted the medical industry and the me medical industry absolutely took advantage of that trust and um, so many people suffered from it. I know we personally, mm. Jeremiah, uh, me with my family, you know, many people suffered because we've been conditioned to trust the medical system. And I've started to realize that whenever you go into a hospital and they start pumping you full of drugs or pumping you full of whatever, they're playing a numbers game. And there, there's a strict dissociation from nutrition and natural ways homeopathy you know of treating diseases treating issues and instead they treat with chemicals they treat with uh, pharmaceutical compounds that are man-made and um, and I just wanted to remind people as we enter into the kind of the colder months of the year um, there there's ways you can stay out of this uh, very tricky game uh, the medical game and it's by using nature's yeah uh, you know god-given grown treatments for various ailments here's a picture i wanted to share just to um uh, get it out there of nature's 10 most powerful antibiotics and it's your first line of defense against any illness or infection is your own immune system and these foods will super boost your body's ability to fight any nasty bugs that come your way and will help keep you on top of your game all year long uh so you know here's the list apple cider vinegar uh, garlic, ginger, horseradish root, onion, habanero, oregano oil, turmeric, raw honey, uh, colloidal silver. And, of course, reading this, people will paint you as a conspiracy theorist for wanting to treat your body naturally before going in and trusting somebody who's been brainwashed by uh, the, the medical school system to treat you only with man-made chemicals that they get kickbacks from. And uh, and it's just it's just crazy how the world... Uh, is right now um, but you know this is why we we share this kind of stuff because post the big old experiment you have massive you know adult death syndrome things happening all across the world a bunch of young people who previously there was like a very like minuscule number of youth that would suffer from uh, cardiac uh issues myocarditis whatever inflammation of the heart but now it's widespread news and it const constantly is coming out with new stories of tragedies of young people who uh likely went through with this experiment who are demonstrating uh adverse events and what's interesting here is this is a story about a 15 year old boy uh just uh this week that dies in the middle of a restaurant and when you scroll down to the very bottom of this, um, it says the police said that the death is not believed to be suspicious. <laughs> it's it's not. You're telling me it's not suspicious that a 15 year old dies of a heart attack? And you know it's it's like we gotta wake up. And and then you have things like this. Um, Alberta doctor calls on medical association to investigate the sudden deaths of 80 young doctors. Well, guess what? You know, the medical system and the military were the ones that got the hardest hit by mandates. And so mm -hmm. these were the ones who were most likely to have participated in the, the experiment over the past two years. Um, but here's just, you know, uh, an Alberta doctor calling the Canadian Medical Association to look into the significant jump in doctor SIDS, sudden adult SADS, 
sudden adult death syndrome following the rollout of the you-know-what um, in the country since December 2020. So, you know, here's the picture of doctors. You know, this th these are supposedly the people that, you know, were treating it, but also they were the, at the front line of having to uh, participate in the mandates. Um, and so yeah, I just wanted to, you know, cover that today. I, I know we covered a lot, but it's always important to be aware that those who stood up for their rights, just like in our first article I shared about uh, the New York City Supreme Court rebuking uh, those who fired the non-participating staff, the staff that said, my body, my choice, right? Mm -hmm. Well, they're, they're being given kind of retribution for standing up for their rights. And I bet you all those people that caved are looking going, oh man, you know, I could have stood up and I, I could have not participated but because of comfort and convenience like we just talked about regarding the central bank digital currency and the the the, the wave of control that the digital age is bringing uh, we also see um, you know how comfort and uh, just stability forced people into making a decision that could have had uh, adverse effects on the rest of their life all right, so um, we can go on to our next story here, but uh, did you have any thoughts to share on that topic, Jeremiah? I have mixed feelings about doctors. Um, it's not a whole lot I can say about that. It'll be in my mom's book, but uh, it's very hard for me to believe that there's a such thing as a good doctor after experiencing what we've experienced. And... Um, Oh, the apple cider vinegar thing? That, that's that's for real. I, I Did you know that you can kill fruit flies with uh, dish soap? You just put a little bit of dish soap and some apple cider vinegar and put some, uh, like, put it in a little cup and put some foil on it and then poke some holes in it and you'll catch all those fruit flies. So if you ever have a fruit, fruit fly problem, there you go. Apple cider vinegar, like, does so much crazy it also it, it's uh, super good at treating indigestion so i know for a, uh, like a couple of years i had really bad indigestion and i would take a shot of apple cider vinegar and it causes a chemical reaction in your stomach that makes your stomach release this natural like mucus and it's it's a uh, it, it happens within like five minutes and indigestion's pretty much gone out the window so i i've used it for that i know in the past but just, you know, I get very nervous when, when uh, you know, we go to the hospital. Um, I know I had uh, an event where my daughter, we needed to bring her in. And it, it's just the amount of unnecessary treatments that are tacked on. And then just the, the very obvious and well-known plundering that happens in the hospital where they just charge you out the wazoo for mm -hmm. just... Of nothing like for being looked at for 30 seconds by a professional you get a thousand dollar bill you know and and it's just crazy um but then of course the medical industry is all in bed with the insurance companies and the yep. insurance is a totally uh you know a whole another area of conspiracy and just there's, oh, it's, there's it's not conspiracy i mean my mom's gonna expose it all in her book and that's coming very soon and and It'll be very eye-opening, and this will no longer be a conspiracy, in, in my mind at least. And 
I know it'll open a lot of people's eyes. So, I mean, it, it's true that they are in bed together with the insurance companies and, you know, they try to make every dollar they can and they will yep. do every test they can on you until they get the amount of money, until they get the most amount of money that they can get out of you. It's like they, yep. they, they almost like pimp you out, you know, until they can't get any more and then they're done. <laughs> it's so crazy. For our next story, we have a, a short video here about how NASA is launching a study on unidentified aerial phenomena, and we have that video for you guys, Opa. Is there something out there? NASA announcing the team who will spend the next nine months studying UFOs. There's a whole fleet of them, look on the ASA. All right, so those were U.S. Navy fighter pilots celebrating when they locked onto an unidentified object dashing across the sky. Back in 2015, videos like these have fueled years of UFO speculation and questions about extraterrestrial life. And now NASA will be looking for more answers here. Today, the agency is officially launching its study on unidentified aerial phenomena. And joining us now is CNN space and defense correspondent Kristen Fisher. My goodness, I mean, it, this is the kind of thing that back in the day you would have sort of laughed at, but now we've seen these videos taken by professionals in the military. What can you tell us about this team and the studies they'll be doing? So this NASA study really joins, uh, you know, Congress, which has been investigating it, the Pentagon, which has been looking into all of these incidents, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, now NASA. Uh, they announced this study last summer. Uh, and just on Friday, they decided to officially announce its team because the study, of course, starts today. And it's 16 individuals. These are people who are astronomers, astrophysicists, biologists, uh, oceanographers. They've got a lot of former NASA, Pentagon, even some former FAA folks uh, on the team. And a former astronaut, a very famous former astronaut, uh, Scott Kelly, who famously spent a year in space. And so what they're going to be doing is over the next nine months or so, they're really going to be digging into all of the unclassified data that's out there. Not the classified stuff, that's for the Pentagon and Congress, but NASA is going to be looking into the unclassified reports and they're gonna be looking at better ways to analyze and catalog this data that's coming in, not just from those Navy pilots and military folks, but from uh, civilians and commercial entities and how they catalog and data uh, store all of that data that's coming in, which is just a, a, a huge amount ever since this kind of renewed interest in UFOs has come about. And you know, Brianna, um, they are going to make all of these findings public, hopefully. Uh, they're shooting for mid-2023. Uh, but you know, the big question is why NASA now? Why is NASA getting in on this? Well, NASA says, you know, hey, it's always been our job to kind of explain the unexplainable or almost unexplainable, mm. uh, the Pentagon, Congress has really been trying for several months now. Now NASA wants to get in and say, you know, hey, we have lots of valuable assets up there too. Uh, satellites, astronauts, space stations. We want to know what's up there just as much as, <laughs> as everybody else. So fascinating. Alrighty. Those pictures are mesmerizing. You have the well, isn't it interesting that the agency whose moniker could also say never a straight answer and who is infamously exposed by a lot of Rob's research, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
they're literally taking over the I guess the public forum of UFO findings and they're going to compile it into a presentation that everybody you'll probably see in the coming year in 2023 and it it makes me wonder what agendas they're going to slip in there uh, you know of course they're gonna have uh, former astronauts so here's the article uh, UFO sightings to be studied by former astronauts and hand-picked NASA group thank oh, God for them they're, they're, thank God for you know, the astronauts so, of course, we're seeing so much of this UFO talk. We've covered it in previous episodes. But just be prepared because the UFO alien phenomena topic, it, there's a lot of deceptions around it. And, um, and we know that NASA is a repeat offender in terms of lying to the populace, lying to people, and deceiving people on a variety of topics. Not just the moon landing, but a whole lot of different things um, mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, pushing forward the space race agenda. <laughs> you know, we never made it back to the moon after, you know, what, 60 plus years. And, and now, you know, they're putting people in charge of uh, the UFO, UFO phenomena and the findings that they want the public to probably digest from that group are going to be severely tainted with whatever they're trying to push. So uh, this has all been leading up to something, is my opinion. Uh, what are your thoughts, Jeremiah? Well, I mean, I just think it's crazy that they... Uh, remember when they said that they the reason why we haven't been back is because uh, they lost the technology? I want to know where they found it. Where did they find it? <laughs> like, yeah, I, I mean, it's all... Was it hidden away in a box? <laughs> tapes or yeah, they recorded over them is what they said you know they said That's oh right. well, we ran out of disk space or, or you know whatever and we had to you know copy over top of them uh but man it's it's just i, I also want to know why the mainstream media like cnn like why they only played the three i think it's three clips of these ufos when there there are so many more that are documented, but they only use those three. Is that because it's the only official UFO um, video per se, or or what? But there have been so many UFO sightings and so many UFO stuff, but they don't believe people that are just everyday people that get video of it. They, I don't know. It's just weird to me that they always play the same three clips over and over and over again. That could just be well, it's all about it's all about the the official opinion you know what is the upper echelon of academia what is their comment on this and now that recently high-ranking military high-ranking air force all these people with pedigree are coming out confirming those are the video clips that they seem to gravitate towards because it has so much so much sourcing to point to but we also know that they're ramping up this topic because it's going to be used for some agenda, right? Even if, um, you know, this is a separate entity, uh, whether the UFOs are, you know, in league or if they're not, that's conspiracy talk, right? But what we do know is that the system of power always uh, uses uh, any kind of event to their benefit they don't let any tragedy go to waste right they don't let any uh any big you know public opinion reaction event 
go by the wayside without actually capitalizing on it. So, um, you know, what is it all heading towards? I guess we'll have to see. Yep. All right, here's a, just to run through a couple other uh, just brief stories. Um, we have a diesel shortage leaving the U.S. with just 25-day supply as demand surges in a recent report. Um, and so with demand for diesel fuel at its highest point in over a decade, the Biden administration says nationwide supply is unacceptable. Um, so it says here in the article, diesel stockpiles in the U.S. are reportedly at their lowest point since 2008 with only enough fuel for a 25-day supply. Uh, that sounds pretty uh, alarming to me, right? Um, it says here, according to the U.S. Energy Information Administration, the average price of diesel is at 5.34 per gallon. That's an increase of $1.67 per gallon compared to this time last year. Um, and in California, the average cost is 6.50 per gallon, an increase of almost $2 per gallon over this time last year. Uh, so this leads into uh, this other story: how Biden's next crisis is home heating oil rationing beginning in the northeast and it's not even winter yet uh so it looks like president joe biden might get his winter of death after all and it's not because of the unveed this article says if you live in the northeast you know that even in normal times heating oil bills constitute a significant expense because winters are usually brutal unfortunately this year could be worse year ever for residents of the region hoping to adequately heat their homes. Not only are heating oil prices through the roof on anti-fossil fuel Joe Biden's watch, but even for those who have the funds to stock up, it doesn't really matter. Heating oil rationing is already taking place. Rationing like toilet paper and baby formula rationing? Why is all this rationing happening under Biden's watch? For the record, we never once worried about this under former President Trump. Nope. Uh, but the worst part of this unfolding crisis, it's, it's not even winter. Um, so some wholesalers in Connecticut are putting retailers on allocation, meaning they can only get a limited amount of fuel based on availability. According to Chris Herb, president of the Kinetic Energy Mar Marketers Association, which represents around 600 family owned retailers in the state. Um, so man, j you know, whenever we look at these two stories back to back I, I know i've heard uh whispers that several people believe this winter will be very cold uh, a r very rough winter i saw a and, video about uh, that too like a youtube video about them saying that uh it was like a, a bunch of weathermen and they were talking about how cold it's going to be I yeah. was like, yeah. and and i mean if you don't like your diesel vehicles right if you're tired of the gas prices there's always the opportunity to get a flaming death device to strap your children to. <laughs> so this is a picture of a battery fire that turned electric vehicle into an unrecognizable mess in South Dakota. It's um, like a puddle of dust. Happened. I know. Look at that thing. So what happened was an electric vehicle fire led to a temporary closure of a highway west of Vermilion, South Dakota last week. The electric vehicle's battery burst into fire and turned the car into an unrecognizable mess. Uh, so, uh, how would you feel about you know strapping your children into their car seat in the back of this bad boy? You know, let's save on that gas price tag. Let's let's 
let's save the uh, the environment, right? Let's go green. Let's mm -hmm. get an electric car. And well, I've told you about the fire, the happen. fire that happened here by where we live. Um, I'm pretty sure I've told you before that there there's a house like not too far from where we live that caught fire and like burned down the garage. And maybe uh, I'll, I'll post some photos later, but it, it, it was like that. It was exactly like that. It was a Tesla. And it wasn't even, uh, I forget if it was, Opa, was it being charged or what, what was it? The driver came back from a shopping trip, parked it in the garage, didn't even hook it up for recharge. He just went in, started watching TV, and the battery exploded and caught the garage on fire and then caught the roof on fire. And the car oh, basically turned into nothing but a bunch of cinder. Mm-hmm. Very similar. It's crazy. Hmm. Wonder if wow. uh, if it's connected at all. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just crazy. I mean, as all these natural disaster type things like the hurricane that recently hit Florida, uh, there's been an increase on these electric vehicle fires, and um, you know, <laughs> I don't know if I would feel safe sitting on top of a giant battery not to mention probably the the you know emission of uh, uh electromagnetic you know frequencies and stuff that are probably having adverse effects on our biology mm -hmm. uh when they catch fire man that's a serious battery fire that's that's not you know just a simple little you know you know this thing is burning hot burning fast and mm -hmm. it turned this car into total ash Electricity so. and water don't go together well. No, they don't. And <laughs> uh, as those batteries get damaged by natural, you know, weather, you know, flooding, whatever, uh, they're all more prone to just blowing up like this. But um, that leads us to uh, probably our last like main story, and then I have some you know minor little memes and stuff for us to show, but. Um, uh, before I get into that, uh, since we were covering Biden, uh, let, let me just run through some of this. Um, uh, while Joe Biden is distracted, Xi Jinping is rapidly consolidating power within the Chinese Communist Party, power he intends to use to compel the world to turn a blind eye to the crimes of his administration. This is a quote from Josh Hawley on Fox News, um, but I found it interesting because it's tied to uh, this post from National Farmers Union of how over the last decade, China has been snapping up American farmland, amassing 192,000 acres worth 1.9 billion. The current trend in the US is leading us towards the creation of a Chinese-owned agricultural land monopoly, right? Oh, how, how interesting. What, what's, uh, what's, why is this significant, right? Well, check this out. Well, you know, it's pretty insane that 90% of foods and grocery stores didn't exist 100 years ago and neither did 90% of the diseases. So while the pharmaceutical companies and uh, you know Big Med are growing in power, increasing their ability to enact mandates and stuff, uh, our ability to own and buy land is going down. So 90% of food in supermarkets didn't exist 50 years ago. Well, neither did geoengineering, massive deforestation, GMOs, and PFAs. And you can't, you can't do what your grandparents did and expect to live long the the game's changed and so um as we see this consolidation of power as we see the uh the you know 
personal ownership of land and farming kind of dwindles and it goes to these big corporations, uh, then you're going to see more bad food, less people being able to grow their own food to be independent. Um, and man, it, it's, it's just, uh, it's, it's something to pay attention to, especially as the economy, it starts, you know, going through its ups and downs. Uh, if you're hungry, then you're more likely to acquiesce to their request. Mm -hmm. But if you can stand on your own, if you can feed your family, you will likely be able to stay stronger until, you know, it comes to, you know, being, you know, the gun being put to your head to obey. And that's a totally different story that we can talk about on another day. Um, but uh, just a, a couple more uh, uh, picks here. Um, we have uh, we had the talk of you know science and um, you know we have the top talk of men in white lab coats with space and and the medical industry white um, coat assassins well, yep uh, I saw this meme it says right wing science source well it feels right which you know tends to be the the problem with kind of uh Facebook warriors, right? Is it's sometimes you pick something up and it just sounds right and you don't really check on what you're saying. So we got to be careful not to fall into that trap. But from the left wing, they say source and the left wing person supposedly goes right behind me and they have a degree, right? Well, the guy who's backing up that left wing science goes and he gave me grant money to agree with him. <laughs> So it's kind of this balancing act between uh, just touting off things that you can't really source, which is the whole conspiracy agenda that they're so afraid of, of, oh, misinformation. Um, and so it's, it's important to really do your diligence and get to the nitty gritty of the information you're sharing so that you can't be kicked off as, as a conspiracy theorist. That's why books like your, what your mom's working on are going to be so important because they're first-hand accounts of the actual experience. Um, and she can back it like, up by evidence and, and actual exactly. documents from the hospital. So, I mean, it, it, it's no longer conspiracy. If you can prove yeah, it. Yeah, and then on the other side, you know, the left, left wing is all about, you know, hey, well, we have these guys in white lab coats that are saying, you know, boost her up, right? But mm -hmm. unfortunately, they are being tainted by money grants and uh, by the flow of funds and, and the censorship that's coming on those that speak against the mainstream narrative, which doesn't mean it's right. Um, and so this picture uh, reminded me of this funny meme, which was like, U.S. politics be like, whose side are you on? And it's a picture <laughs> of Anakin on one and Darth Vader on the other. But the truth is, is they're both the same person. And it's both two wings of the same bird. But we have to figure out where the, the trap is on either side. We don't want to be the kind of the, um, the Facebook warriors that uh, don't have any credibility because they've been painted off as a conspiracy theorist. Uh, we want to come from a place of study and uh, and um, we we also don't want to be on the other side of the aisle, right? But the whole thing is is to 
make us pick a side. Um, but of course, you know, oftentimes we find ourselves being this guy, right? Me trying to figure out what's happening in global <laughs> politics through memes because I refuse to watch the news. And it's a, it's a hard position to be in because you, who do you trust? And, uh, and that's why, you know, having a foundation of truth helps you navigate through the world. And, and for me personally, you know, my foundation of truth is, uh, the, the scriptures, uh, it's, uh, you know, studying into what the most high told us about morality. And then that allows us to kind of then go into the world and, you know, try to sift through all the deceptions that are being presented to us. Uh, but we, if we have a, a rock to stand on, then we can navigate this very turbulent time of the world of all these different agendas being pushed forward. And, and who's the rock, right? Mm -hmm. the, the Messiah, Yeshua, he's the rock that we stand on to, you know, stand and put faith on his example. Yep. And, um, and so that's, that's something that, you know, I know Rob talked about so much and, and, uh, on this last topic, it's tied to a possible project blue beam and, and kind of world deception. It's a video of harp, uh, sending beams towards the moon and Jupiter. So Opa, if you want to play this last video, it's, Harp hits the moon. There we go. This is Dabu 7. And it looks like the experiments have been fired back up at Harp. Because as of right now, they are conducting the largest set of experiments that they've ever conducted at this new observatory at the Harp location that we're all so familiar with. Now, the University of Alaska Fairbanks operates this facility near Gakona. And you have a slew of different groups that are tied into this from NASA, from JPL, the Navy, University of California, Berkeley, many different groups tied in to these 13 experiments that are going to be carried out over a 10 day period, which started last Wednesday. And they are saying that they have bounced a signal off the moon. They're also trying to learn more about this mysterious polar light that we've talked about in other live streams and videos. And they're also sending a beam to Jupiter. So a big array of experiments here. They're saying that this is the highest so far under this five-year, $9.3 million grant awarded by the National Science Foundation to establish a sub-Aurora Geophysical Observatory at HARP. So it's all going down at HARP, at their main location. They've added to it, and they've got a slew of new experiments they're popping on. So they're hoping that they get a reflective bounce both off the moon and Jupiter in these tests where that bounce comes back and they can pick it up on their arrays at different locations specifically the one that they've got set up down in New Mexico where they've got a ton of uh, these different instruments set up to try to detect anything coming in 520 antennas so, you know, of course, you know, HARP, 
to begin largest set of experiments at its new observatory. And uh, this definitely seems to relate to uh, the UFO news that we've been call, you know, calling into question, looking at. Here's the title of this uh, website has UAF news and information. And UAF is another form of UFO, uh, mm -hmm. unidentified aerial phenomena, right? Uh, well, actually, no, this stands for <laughs> University of Alaska Fairbanks. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't it interesting, right, that, you know, yep. the terminology is changing and they're they're doing these big experiments trying to get signals back, um, uh, experiments sending a beam to Jupiter to bounce it off the giant's ionosphere with the hope that it will receive information. Um, so just something to pay attention to. Uh, they're kickstarting these HARP experiments. I know uh, there's a lot of discussion about harp and uh you know weather modification uh there's a tie to uh project blue beam um and you know some of the kind of the signs in the sky uh conspiracies that we've heard over the years but they are kicking this off and it makes me wonder if there is a tie to harp and uh weather modification if we're going to see any you know significant uh events that correspond to these massive high frequency uh beams being short shot into the sky right mm -hmm. uh, so anyways uh jeremiah that's the main news stories that i wanted to cover today i, I know uh we had a, a wide variety of topics there but um uh, thank you for letting me get into the news today with you and i appreciate it Thank you for sharing. Uh, I, I do like the diversity because my uh, my history is very diverse too. So I'm glad we're both on the same page about that. But I think it's time for an all new Opa's corner. Let's take it away, Opa. All right. My hut der hat drei Ecken. Drei Ecken hat mein hut. Und hat er nicht drei Ecken. Welcome to another episode of Opa's Corner. So, let's start off with a few heavenly stories. On their way to get married, a young Catholic couple is involved in a fatal car accident. The couple find themselves outside the pearly gates, waiting for St. Peter to process them into heaven. While waiting, they began to wonder, could they possibly get married in heaven? When St. Peter showed up, they asked him. St. Peter said, I don't know. This is the first time anyone has asked. Let me go find out. And he leaves. The couple sat and waited and waited. Two months passed and they were still waiting. While waiting they began to wonder, what would happen if it didn't work out? Could you get a divorce in heaven? After yet another month, St. Peter finally returns, looking somewhat messy. Yes, he informs the couple, you can get married in heaven. Great, said the couple, but we were just wondering, what if things don't work out? 
Could we also get a divorce? St. Peter, red-faced with anger, slammed his clipboard onto the ground. What's wrong? asked the frightened couple. Oh, come on! St. Peter shouted. It took me three months to find a priest up here. Do you have any idea how long it'll take me to find a lawyer? <laughs> a priest was approached one night by Satan himself. Don't be frightened, said Satan. I have an offer to make. I will make you tremendously powerful, famous, and rich in return for just one small favor, half of your ability to hear. The priest was stunned. Let me think about it for a few days. The next morning, the priest requested to meet the bishop. Your Excellency, I need your advice for a temptation I have been given. He told the bishop of his strange encounter. The bishop was shocked. A deal with Satan? Don't do it. It will destroy your soul. But he could see the priest was not convinced, so the bishop arranged a meeting with the archbishop. Your Excellency, this priest has an urgent matter he needs advice about. He told the Archbishop the story. The Archbishop bowed his head in silent prayer. After a few moments, he responded, Firstly, your hearing is a gift from God. It would be forbidden to sacrifice any part of it. Secondly, a deal with Satan? Don't do it. But the priest wasn't convinced. He was imagining all of the wealth, fame, and power he'd received. So, the Archbishop requested an audience with the Pope. The three of them came into the papal office in great awe. They sat and the Archbishop spoke. Your Holiness, this priest has a terrible temptation and needs advice. Sorry, said the Pope. Could you speak a little louder? <laughs> An 85-year-old couple had been married almost 60 years and had died in a tragic car accident. They had been in good health for the last 10 years, mainly due to her interest in health, food, and exercise. When they reached the pearly gates, St. Peter took them to their mansion, which was decked out with a beautiful kitchen and master bath suite and jacuzzi. As they oohed and awed, the old man asked St. Peter how much all this was going to cost. It's free, said St. Peter. This is heaven. Next, they went out back to survey the championship golf course that the home backed up to. They would have golfing privileges every day, and each week the course changed to a new one representing a great golf course on the earth. The old man asked, What are the green fees? St. Peter replied, This is heaven. 
you play for free. Next they went to the clubhouse and saw the lavish buffet with the cuisines of all of the world laid out. How much to eat? asked the old man. Don't you understand yet? This is heaven. It's free, St. Peter replied with some exasperation. Well, where are all of the low-fat, low-cholesterol tables? The old man asked timidly. That's the best part. You can eat as much as you like of whatever you like, and you never get fat, and you never get sick. This is heaven. The old man went into a fit of anger, throwing down his hat and stomping on it, shrieking wildly. Peter and his wife both tried to calm him down, asking him what was wrong. The old man looked at his wife and said, This is all your fault. If it weren't for your blasted bran muffins, I could be here ten years ago. <laughs> and that concludes this part of Opa's Corner. And now for the funnies. <laughs> In this edition of the funnies, we'll be looking at some funny signs. What happened when the cat swallowed a ball of yarn? She had mittens. <laughs> what kind of dog do you find at the bakery? A pure bread. What do you call a large dog that meditates? A werewolf. Dress the dog as a cat for Halloween. Now he won't come when I call him. What do you get if you cross a sheepdog with a rose? A cauliflower. Is your refrigerator running? Because I might vote for it. Top three hard things to say. One, I was wrong. Two, I need help. Three, wish desire sauce. 2019, avoid negative people. 2020, avoid positive people. When you realize 2022 is pronounced 2022. Apparently, you can't use beef stew as a password. It's not stroganoff. What did the cat say on their smartphone? Can you hear me meow? <laughs> if aliens saw us walking our dogs and picking up their poop, who would they think is in charge? Why can't humans hear a dog whistle? Because dogs can't whistle. <laughs> How do cats end a fight? They hiss and make up. 
Why was the cat afraid of the tree? Because of its bark. <laughs> I hear the word icy is easy to spell. Looking at it now, I see why. <laughs> Try to grab the fog. I missed. <laughs> Our mountains aren't just funny. They're hill areas. In search of fresh vegetable puns, let us know. <laughs> Wishing you a happy whatever doesn't offend you. <laughs> what do you call a pile of cats? A mountain. <laughs> what happened to the dog who let her puppies out onto the street. She got fined for littering. <laughs> Why do fish sing off-key? Because you can't tune a fish. What did a Dalmatian say as it started scratching his neck? Ah, that's the spot. What do you get if you cross a cocker spaniel, a poodle, and a rooster? A cocker poodle do. <laughs> How many cats can you put in an empty box? Only one. After that, the box isn't empty. <laughs> Where did you find a cow with no legs? Right where you left it. <laughs> it looks like my cat's sick. He doesn't seem to be feline well. <laughs> Ducks him through the snow. <laughs> what do you call a grizzly bear with no teeth? A gummy bear. Irony, the opposite of wrinkly. <laughs> Dogs can't operate MRI scanners, but cats can. <laughs> Big shout out to my fingers. I can always count on them. When you're down by the sea and an eel bites your knee, that's amore. <laughs> Whenever I try to eat healthy, a chocolate bar looks at me and snickers. <laughs> Life is short. If you can't laugh at yourself, call me. I will. Terminator retires, starts a new life as Exterminator. <laughs> Two unwritten rules for life. One, two. 
ban pre-shredded cheese. Make America great again. The problem with political jokes is that they sometimes get elected. Thanks, Joe Biden. And because Halloween is just around the corner, here are some bonus funnies. I'm not wearing a costume. I'm here to take your so- Holy Full-size Snickers. Never mind, Margaret. We're good. <laughs> Despite appearances, I did not enjoy that. <laughs> Haunted house. Enter. Exit. <laughs> no thanks. Do you know how much sugar is in those things? <laughs> you are not going out wearing that, young lady. <laughs> oh, Helen, you're pregnant. That's wonderful. At first, I was taking you quite literally when you said you had one in the oven. Turn yourself in? Look, lady, confess all you want. But for the last time, there's no law against eating peanuts. <laughs> Tough to choose a profile pic. Unwittingly, Irwin had a brush with death. Hey! Watch the elbows, buddy. <laughs> my, my. How long has this been in there? You really need to start flossing more. I'm with Gretel. <laughs> Echo witches. Let's face it, Griselda. Everyone is switching to electric vehicles. I just don't know if I can get used to a dustbuster. <laughs> Only Bernard in the front row had the nerve to laugh at death. Hey, did someone kill this microphone? <laughs> oh, I guess it was me. But seriously, folks. <laughs> Monsters don't like to eat ghosts because they taste like sheet. <laughs> and that concludes Opa's Corner for this episode. Gut, der hat drei Ecken, drei Ecken hat mein Hut. Und hat er nicht drei Ecken, dann ist es nicht mein Hut. Opa's Corner is now available on my own YouTube channel. Like, share, and subscribe.
Wow, but that was a great addition to Opa's Corner. I like the signs. Those are hilarious. Are Do you know if they're like, if those places are like known for those kind of signs? Well, uh, some of them are uh, in Austin, Texas at that uh, Mexican restaurant. Some of them are in Colorado. Some of them are up uh, in the Northeast. Because they all kind of looked affiliated, which is kind of cool. It's a cool little thing to have. Well, anyways, thank you, Opa. That was great. And thank uh, you. Now, now, now I think it's time for some history. All right. So for today's history, we're going to be talking about something that wasn't quite too long ago. It was uh, the death of Bob Saget. And in my opinion, it's a very mysterious death. But before we get into all of that, let me show you this first clip, which, which is the official story. So go ahead. It's no longer news that Bob Saget passed away this January while on a stand-up comedy tour in Grand Lakes, Florida. He was only 65. His passing shocked the nation. Not only was it sudden, but also preventable after further investigation into the incident. But what really happened to him on that fateful night in his hotel room? When Saget checked into the Ritz-Carlton Grand Lakes, Florida on January 7th, there was nothing to suggest what would happen two days later. He interacted with people in the lobby, taking pictures with others, and making jokes with them. According to hotel employees, he seemed so full of life and energy. Nothing was necessarily out of the ordinary, so the whole world was shocked when the news of his passing came out on January 9th. We're going to begin with Bob Saget, the comedian actor known as America's Dad for his role on Full House, found dead in his hotel room in Florida. Tonight about the sudden death of beloved actor. This was more shocking if you consider Saget had performed at the Ponte Vedra Beach the previous evening. The autopsy announced by Orange County Chief Medical Examiner Joshua Stephanie revealed that Saget suffered a head trauma which led to his death. The family filed a lawsuit on February 15th to stop further revelations about Saget's death by the medical authorities for privacy reasons. It was a successful case with a permanent injunction against the further release of additional documents related to the comedian's death by Orange County coming out in March. That's why you can hardly find any additional photos, videos, or audio recordings related to the scene of Saget's passing, specifically after the earlier photos were released by the police. According to officials, Saget had just returned to the hotel from his comedy show at the Ponte Vedra Beach at 2 a.m. in the morning of January 9th. Ritz-Carlton security footage recorded him exiting the elevator on the ninth floor. From there, he walked through the hallway to his room, room 962. After gaining access with his keycard at 2.17 a.m., Saget placed a Do Not Disturb sign on his doorknob and retired to his room. There were no cameras in the room, so there's no security footage of what truly went down in the room after this point, but with the investigations, pieces of what happened have been stitched together from the evidence they found in room 962, along with witness accounts and interactions with the actor right before his untimely passing. Interestingly enough, earlier the previous evening at Ponte Vedra, Saget had complained to a staff member, Rosalie Kochi, that he wasn't feeling good, had challenges with his hearing, and was suffering from COVID. This happened hmm. just before he went on stage to perform. Authorities presumed that these conditions were the cause for his weakness and weariness causing him to fall in his room. Despite knowing that hitting his head was the cause for his sudden passing, forensic analysts don't know for sure exactly what he hit his head on, as there was no blood, hair, or DNA evidence found on any table or wall in his room. However, despite this, 
Authorities presume Saget went into the bathroom soon after entering his room, intending to take a bath. And it was here that he slipped and fell, hitting his head on the bath headboard. He's believed to have lost consciousness for a while, and his fractured skull, along with the bruise on the back of his head, corroborates this fact. Later on, he was presumed to have regained consciousness and is thought to have struggled getting out of the bathtub and onto his bed, underestimating his injuries. And it was here that he fell asleep and never woke up. His failure to check out of the hotel at the standard time, along with calls from his family who couldn't reach him, prompted the hotel authorities to visit his room by 4 p.m. A security guard went up to Saget's room at this time and explained that when he entered the room, the lights were off, and when he went to the bedroom, that was where he found Saget in bed, cold to the touch, and called 911. Medical personnel pronounced him dead at the scene. At first, authorities thought Saget died from a heart attack based on the position that he was laying in when they found him. He was on his back with his left arm across his chest and his right arm lying beside him. Toxicology reports came back and there were no drugs in his system. Heart attack and stroke were ruled out as well. His estimated time of passing is said to have occurred around 4 a.m. A search in the room didn't reveal any sign of a struggle as it was orderly, with everything in its place. The earliest pictures released by the police from Saget's room attracted lots of comments on social media. The fractures seen on his head have also elicited many theories concerning his death. There are many who question the medical examiner's autopsy results. These people claim that something else must have caused the comedian's death. Others are even suggesting that it might be a murder case. There have also been insinuations by anti that Bob Saget died from a COVID booster vaccine. Saget had caught COVID before and his autopsy revealed he had a reoccurrence of the condition just before his death. Now, I'm one of those people that, that uh, you know, being a true crime buff, when I first heard about the circumstances about the Bob Saget death, uh, it, it kind of, you know, made me question what, what really happened because... The amount of blunt force trauma that he had, there would have had to been damage to whatever he hit his head on, and there would have been blood everywhere. I mean, you don't just hit your head that hard and, you know, be totally okay. Uh, not, not okay, but, you know, th there were some weird, really, really weird circumstances that happened in room 962. Now, the second clip I'm going to show is the weird circumstances that I'm talking about surrounding his death. So let's go ahead and play that clip. With the details of how Bob Saget died now revealed, the confusion over how such a blow to the head could have happened and caused such severe injury has only increased. There are calls for the investigation into Bob Saget's shocking death to be reopened. Several prominent doctors say Saget's catastrophic multiple head injuries could not have been caused by a simple fall, as investigators say. Dr. Daniel Barrow, chairman of neurosurgery at Emory University School of Medicine, told me he sees nothing in the hotel room that could have caused Saget's massive head injuries. The findings just don't jive with the story that this gentleman had a ground level fall in a motel room, apparently shrugged it off and then died in his sleep. If a patient came into my emergency room and had these injuries, uh, I would suspect that they had been in a, a serious motor vehicle accident, perhaps assaulted, uh, had a, a fall down from a, a, a height, uh, maybe down a flight of stairs. Something doesn't add up here. Correct. Something doesn't add up. 
Another top neurosurgeon, Gavin Britz, compared Saget's injuries to a baseball bat to the head. A baseball bat to the head. A baseball bat to the head. The investigation is also being challenged on social media by Saget's fans. A former federal prosecutor posted, no wrongdoing found. Something doesn't make sense. Spoke to former Orlando homicide detective Joel Wright, who says questions remain unanswered about Saget's death in room 962 at the Ritz-Carlton in Orlando. Start by really examining that room to find out what he could have hit his head on. But Orange County Sheriff John Mina says case closed. The room was um, you know, clean no signs of a struggle uh, and so we believe the death was accidental. Saget's college buddy Bruce Hamilton, now an anchor at WJXT-TV in Jacksonville, conducted Saget's last interview. He says reopening the case isn't necessary. There's nothing more that could have been done. Bob was gone when the police got there. Why dredge other things up? It's that simple. The sheriff says the investigation remains closed pending any new information. We're still waiting for the official cause of Bob Saget's death, but we are now learning that he was diagnosed with COVID just weeks before he passed mm. away. According to People Magazine, Saget referenced his battle with COVID during his last show on Saturday, but people in the audience say that he looked okay. He had also texted a friend about his diagnosis two days before his death, saying that he got sick sometime around the holidays, but was feeling better. Saget's initial autopsy reports says there were no drugs in his system at the location where he died. So, cover up, foul play. It, I mean, to me, it seems like a hit. Like, uh, you know, from somebody that, that does this for a living. And uh, what are your thoughts about it, Jake? Yeah, it does sound like an interesting uh, event there with Bob. I do have a theory, though. What is that? Based on what he shared when he checked into the hospital, that he was having trouble with his hearing. Mm -hmm. And based on Opa's Corner, which shared about the people that, you know, give up part of their hearing to become Satan's emissary, therefore mm -hmm. proving that Bob Saget probably made a deal with the devil. And that's why he didn't end very well for him either way. So that, uh, that actually, you know, you're probably right. I mean, one thing that really irritates me about this case and about this whole situation is he was what? Positive for COVID. Positive for COVID. At the time of his death, he was positive for COVID. And so when you research his name, you find nothing online about him dying of COVID or him have having COVID in his system. But when my dad died, he didn't have COVID in his system, but if you do a Google search, it says anti-vaxxer, dead of COVID. It doesn't make any sense. He didn't even have COVID. So it's just the hypocrisy of, of probably selling your soul to the devil. So, so that the mainstream media really thrives upon, you know, like they, they, they pick sides. They pick sides on, on whoever's, who, whoever the outspoken one is, is the one that they're going to try to demonize. And I, I wanted to cover this case because I just want to show the hypocrisy and show that that if you are outspoken, they're going to bash you in life and they're going to bash you in death. And that's what they do. Him, I'm sure he did a lot of terrible things. And, you know, I, I've never met a, a more 
genuine good person than my dad Rob Skiba and they still you know I've, I've got into I've got I've actually got into it with some people that have written some pretty nasty articles and they they they'll say something back but then they won't reply after I bring up the Bob Saget thing because most of them covered the Bob Saget thing so those are just my uh, feelings about it hopefully uh, I didn't give away too much or say anything that could get me in trouble but you got any thoughts about that yeah I mean of all the celebrities over the past two years that passed away the media basically used any event of a figurehead passing away as an excuse to push forward their agenda whether that was the cause or not and so with Bob you can tell that they're definitely trying to make the the COVID association and be like look it's it's as scary as we are telling you you know beloved you know Bob Saget has passed away from you know uh, complications probably connected to the pandemic we're trying to scare you about um, so it's just man it, like like the World Economic Forum lady we showed in one of our early episodes said let no tragedy go unused and that's how they view a lot of uh, these uh, you know sad stories of people passing away and they, they use those tragedies for their uh, benefit for sure okay well well my next clip has nothing to do with Bob Saget it actually has to do with with somebody who uh, Bob Saget actually considered a friend they were good friends and he actually directed Norm's most famous movie Dirty Work and uh, I'm talking about my favorite comedian you guys all know who I'm talking about Norm Macdonald and I know Jake you loved Norm Macdonald too and um, I just want to show this clip of why I think and I believe that he was a genius. He was a comedy genius. So let's go ahead and play that clip. A moth goes into a podiatrist's office and uh, the podiatrist's office says, what's the problem? And the moth says, what's the problem? Where do I begin, man? Norm MacDonald is one of those comedians who functions as a litmus test for people's sense of humor. If you find Norm hilarious, for example, I know that your sense of humor and mine are probably pretty similar. Norm splits people, and if he does so more than most, I think it's because his vision of comedy is unflinching, unflinchingly devoted to what he finds funny, which means that he won't ever try to modify his work to appease an audience. Of course, this has led to what I think is the mistaken notion, one that you often see in YouTube comments, that Norm just doesn't care what people think. He goes, I go to work for uh, Gregory Olinovich. Honestly, Doc, I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. I don't even know if Gregory Olinovich knows. He only knows that he has power over me, and that seems to bring him happiness. I think Norm cares deeply about his audiences. He wouldn't spend thousands of hours honing his material if he didn't want to make people laugh. He just doesn't let the audience dictate the direction of his work. He doesn't pander. In fact, during his time at SNL as the host of Weekend Update, he often did the exact opposite. Norm's distaste for performing in front of an audience that was essentially forced to laugh urged him to tell jokes that would shock them into silence or gasps. A decade before Ricky Gervais made a splash by making fun of celebrities at the Golden Globes, Norm hosted the ESPYs with jokes like this. He became the first defensive player to win the Heisman Trophy. And congratulations, Charles. That is something that no one can ever take away from you. Unless you kill your wife and a waiter, in which case... <laughs> Not only does that take bravery, 
it takes dedication. At night, I, I sometimes wake up and I turn to some old lady in my bed that's on my arm. A lady that I once loved, Doc. I, I don't know where to turn to. My youngest, Alexandria. She fell in the, in, the, in the cold of last year. Norm's dedication to the craft is almost inhuman, and so much of it is unseen. He's one of the smartest, well-read people in stand-up, particularly well-read in Russian literature, if you couldn't tell by the names that he's making up in the moth joke. And yet his whole act is predicated on this folksy, dopey innocence. He's like that magician from The Prestige who devotes his whole life to a character just to pull off a great trick. This is the trick. This is the performance. Right here. This is why no one can detect his method. Total devotion to his art. Not a self-sacrifice. And my other boy. <laughs> and this is the hardest pill to swallow, Doc. My other boy, Gregario <laughs> Ivinolitovich. I no longer love him. Norm's not trying to pull off tricks, of course. He's trying to pull off jokes, a joke with a premise and a punchline. It's kind of funny. Norm was known for his super short jokes during his weekend update period, and now he's known for these super long rambling jokes that he often tells on late show appearances. It's these longer jokes which bear a resemblance to shaggy dog stories that often get him labeled as an anti-comic or a meta-comic. But he strongly insists that he is neither of these things. In interviews, Norm rejects anything that sees itself as above comedy, looking down on on it either to ridicule or to comment. His jokes always have punchlines, and punchlines that make sense whether or not you think they're funny. He can deliver a joke quickly. Hey, you know the funniest part of doing an office conga line? <laughs> when you look back and realize you're doing it alone and you're not in an office, you're in a psychiatric hospital. <laughs> or he can string out punchlines. This joke from his special, Me Doing Stand-Up, is 12 minutes long. Seems like there's too much news, like, you know, because now they have 24-hour news. Now, when I was a young boy, the news was half a hour. That was the whole news. He starts by talking about 24-hour news and eventually makes his way to a detailed description of how he would murder someone. And the progression is completely natural. And then I would take her body to the woods and bury her in a very, very, very deep grave. Along the way, there was plenty of punchlines to laugh at. And as things get crazier, you get drawn into a kind of hysteria. A lady has vanished. Matter of fact, I'm kind of happy it's Janice and not somebody I know. I would like to meet her one day. That would be a lot. I forgot she vanished. Every time they will find you in a uh, shallow grave. Serial killers are supposed to be so shrewd and cunning and everything, you know? But then when it comes time for the grave, they get a little hasty, you know? What I would do is I would, like, I would look at the lady, I would select a lady, and then I would follow her habits. You understand what I'm saying? What would I be uh, holding in my right hand in the parking lot but a cheese sandwich? I got a whole van full of them over there. I would get her in there and I would do that thing and, uh, and then I would take her body to the woods and bury her in a very, very, very deep grave. The intelligence of this joke is there if you want to look for it. The word choices, the phrasing, it's all precisely chosen. But Norm doesn't call attention to his own intelligence. The punchlines just appear like flashes of light. If only the cowardice was stronger, then perhaps... <laughs> Perhaps I could bring myself to reach over to that cocked and loaded gun that lays on the bedside behind me. And in this hellish facade once How long a drive was this? 
In the constellation of comedy greats, Norm is among the least famous, but he's also one of the most underrated. That's because stand-up was never a stepping stone for him to greater success or greater fame, but an end in itself, an art to perfect. His kind of comedy is built to last, like a low-frequency noise that might not demand the same kind of attention as high-pitched sounds, but will travel a much greater distance in the end. And Norm's jokes are the ones you'll remember late into your life, the ones we'll all be telling for years to come. Because their construction is sophisticated, but their delivery is easy to understand. And getting that balance exactly right is the Man, work he was of skinny. an entire career. But Norm MacDonald, more than anyone else, totally knows that a different. long, winding journey mm -hmm. is okay, as long as the payoff is worth it. He says, Doc. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like a spider, even though I'm a moth. <laughs> Just barely hanging on to my web with an everlasting fire underneath me. I'm not feeling good. And so the, moth, the, the doctor says, moth, man, you're troubled. But you should be seeing a psychiatrist. Why on earth did you come here? And then the moth said, because the light was on. <laughs> <laughs> What a treasure. What a, I miss Norm so much. I mean, he helped me through so many dark times that, that was going on in my life, you know, throughout, you know, some of the darkest moments of my life. I would just turn on and watch Norm MacDonald, and he was so fearless. And more people need to be fearless in this sad and sick world, and that's what we are here on Skiba News Nation. I feel like we are fearless. We go against what everybody else is trying to tell us to do. We will not bow down and do whatever the government tells us or do whatever the authority tells us to do. That's what being a conservative is today, which is completely backwards than what it used to be back in the punk days. And uh, so this last clip is not about Norm and a lot of diversity in this episode, diversity in this episode, but this last clip, I just, speaking of fearless, want to remind everyone what America looked like when it was great and what a great leader and a great president looks like. So let's play clip number four. Years from now, some of them may look back and ask themselves whether they've made the right choice, whether they've made the most of the opportunities they've been given. Together, we have the same mission. Over the course of your life, you will find that things are not always fair. You will find that things happen to you that you do not deserve and that are not always warranted. But you have to put your head down and fight, fight, fight. Never, ever, ever give up. Don't give in, don't back down, and never stop doing what you know is right. Nothing worth doing ever, ever, ever came easy. And the more righteous your fight, the more opposition that you will face. In your hearts are inscribed the values of service, sacrifice, and devotion. Now you must go forth into the world and turn your hopes and dreams into action. America has always been the land of dreams because America is a nation of true believers. When the pilgrims landed at Plymouth, they prayed. When the founders wrote the Declaration of Independence, they invoked our creator four times. 
Because in America, we don't worship government, we worship God. It is why our currency proudly declares, in God we trust. And it's why we proudly proclaim that we are one nation under God. The story of America is the story of an adventure that began with deep faith, big dreams, and humble beginnings. The next generation of American leaders never, ever give up. There'll be times in your life you'll want to quit, never quit. Never stop fighting for what you believe in and for the people who care about you. Carry yourself with dignity and pride. Demand the best from yourself. The more people tell you it's not possible, that it can't be done, the more you should be absolutely determined to prove them wrong. Treat the word impossible as nothing more than motivation. Relish the opportunity to be an outsider. The more that a broken system tells you that you're wrong, the more certain you should be that you must keep pushing ahead. You must keep pushing forward. And always have the courage to be yourself. America is better when people put their faith into action. Pray to God and follow his teachings. Today, each of you begins a new chapter as well. When your story goes from here, it will be defined by your vision, your perseverance, and your grit. You will build a future where we have the courage to chase our dreams no matter what the cynics and the doubters have to say. You will have the confidence to speak the hopes in your hearts and to express the love that stirs your souls. As long as you have pride in your beliefs, courage in your convictions, and faith in God, then you will not fail. As long as America remains true to its values, loyal to its citizens, and devoted to its creator, then our best days are yet to come. States of America and I just want to let you know that God blesses you and I want to just say you are special in every way God bless you and God bless America thank, thank you. you very much thank you thank you and I thought that was pretty moving i mean we all need to be courageous fearless and never give up in this sad sick and dark world and that's like i said what we're doing here on skiba news nation and just stand up for what you believe in and for what's right and that's all i got and what are your thoughts jake 
Yeah, uh, man, just definitely. I think that that video was made to kind of bring that teary-eyed, welling-up feeling of patriotism, you know, in the heart of every person watching it. You know, <laughs> trying to inspire, um, you know, inspire people. Uh, you know, I always got to ask the question, you know, what God are we fighting for? You know, and and so. I think that's a personal question that everybody's got to ask is, you know, who is the God of my patriotic feeling? Is it the God that I've created or is it the real God? Right. And, um, you know, I, I just think, you know, we're in a very, um, we're in a very sensitive time in this kind of realm of all the different agendas being pushed. And, and it's almost like, um, it's just it's hard to know how to navigate with all the things that have come on the world and it's easy to fall back on you know big kind of broad stroked things like the word patriotism well what does that even mean is it patriotism to the corporate government the the you know is it patriotism to your family and to your home is it patriotism to the things that have offered you comfort that you've given your freedoms away to is it patriotism to an idea or is it patriotism uh, to something that's tangible like, you know, your community and you feel, um, you know, it kind of makes me want to break down the the kind of the, the linguistic origin of the word patriotic, right? Um, because we, we see that it was used back in like 2001 to woo the young masses after 9-11 to go and fight for, you know, our country. But at the same time, the country we were fighting for, you know, we, they were basically turned into the slaves of the, you know, the poppy field looters, right? And, and you know, international banking wars and, and whatnot. And, and so, um, you know, like, other than that, I definitely, I really love uh, the Norm McDonald breakdown. I think that was one of the best explanations of how his comedy works. So I was really, really liked that, Jeremiah. That was really good. Um, and uh, yeah, man, that, that's pretty much all my thoughts so far. Sorry, there was a lot of clips there. Uh, so it was, I was trying to cram all my thoughts uh uh, it was hard to respond to it all at once. You're good. I was on a roll, so I just couldn't stop. So, I mean, that's all I got for history, so I hope you enjoyed it. Um, yeah. I think it's time for some memes. Meme me up. Meme me up. All right, so uh, I don't know if you knew this, but did you know... In case of a blackout, a crown will burn for 30 minutes. There's no way. Uh, Is that I mean, for real? I have yet to I have yet to put this to a test, but I am interested. Uh, well, let's do it and ago. film it. Let's film it, and <laughs> yeah. then we'll do it on Skiba News Nation. We'll, we'll uh, do a Skiba News Nation short. Yeah, man, I, I I'm I'm down. I, I know a couple years ago I did a big canvas art piece where I melted the crowns down and then used the crown oil as my paint. Uh, and so I know when I did that, man, it had the worst 
most toxic fumes. Uh, so I'm sure it's probably not super healthy. But like, I wonder also if the flames burn different colors. That would be really cool. That would be cool. So, anyways, I just wanted everybody to know. You know, if the there's more blackout, you, know. you can burn crowns. Possibly, we're gonna just leave a window open. Work. Leave a window open. <laughs> um, into our uh, little meme segment. It's a little blurry, I know, but uh, it's a mom asking her kid, "How was school?" And then he immediately vomits a rainbow full of globes and NASA and evolution and the new world order and pro Ukraine <laughs> flag and the V over here. And <laughs> it's just, Oh, such a great analogy of what's being crammed down our kids throats. And then no wonder guys like Elon Musk are like, I blame the college for brainwashing my daughter. <laughs> oh man. Um, uh, you know, following that, that almost, you know, tear evoking inspirational video from, from the Donald, uh, check this out. I bet you'll get a kick out of it. Oh, this is I Donnie love that. Cash. I I send me that later. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to print that, put it in my office. Yeah, man. You like, you like, uh, Johnny, Johnny as well, dude, right? Dude, I can sound just like Johnny Cash and I'm not kidding. That's my natural singing voice. Am I right, Opa? Yep, we're gonna have a, a single put out with Johnny, uh, with uh, Jeremiah as Johnny singing a song that he never recorded. I'm so, looking forward to it, man. That sounds yep. cool. So, anyways, here's good old Donny Cash. You know, Donny just Ca imagine. Hello, I'm Donny Cash. Whispering all of his blessings into your ears just like we listened to in that previous video <laughs> <laughs> oh man all right uh you know uh hold on before i show that one <laughs> uh you know i covered a uh, the kanye west or the yay story of yay uh coming after the jays you know uh well breaking news uh gringota bank has officially cut ties with rapper Kanye West over his recent <laughs> series of controversial statements. Uh, so these are the, the grabbler type J's, you know, not the, you know, the other guys, right? Well, <laughs> well see, it's uh, funny. It's funny you call him J's because I was, uh, I was going to play a Norm Macdonald clip of him talking about some of the jokes had the J's in it. And, and my girlfriend, Lindsay was like, do not, do not play these. Do not play. These. You cannot play these. And I was like, oh, okay, but they were just super funny. He he can make fun of anybody, you know, even himself. Yeah, and it's it's unfortunately one of the most sensitive subgroups that instantly will get you canceled, just as he experienced. Um, and you know, don't worry, I'm not a racist. I'm not an anti-Semite. But <laughs> it's just interesting that. You know, all of the, you know, the people that start pointing fingers at the subgroup uh, are very quickly canceled when you can make fun of white people all day long. You can make fun mm -hmm. of, you know, any any subgroup, but it's it's just there's a victim mentality associated with that language. And you can hear what we say regarding this topic and in, in the Kanye West topic and in, in last uh, the last episode, episode 19, I believe it was. Um 
so anyways uh uh here in relation to this one of the reasons so many uh people are anti-semite you know is because you know the jays killed jesus well they also forget that jesus was a j you know a jayish person also but i love this meme of of uh jim at the office and it's like we finally killed jesus three days later it's jim like hello i'm back you know <laughs> oh man so uh also on a, another note um i've been watching a lot of cool like videos on youtube of gopro like bikers and and skaters like all these people doing crazy stuff so this is what a 90s gopro looked like yep <laughs> giant camera strapped that's to awesome or or oh, in india man. india i'm sure they they come they come up with some pretty uh innovative stuff for old technology Oh yeah, yeah. That's where all of our stuff kind of sifts down through, you know, the recycling. You know, that I, I saw a whole documentary on how they go through the different clothes that are shipped overseas and make a whole industry out of our, you know, reclaimed tech and stuff. Fun fact: Did you know that the, India has the highest growing economy? India. India, wow. no longer America. So. Oh man. That's, Fun fact. that's really interesting at least that's what i heard um, i could be wrong don't don't beat me up in the comments <laughs> that's just what i heard here's a here's a picture uh take a selfie through a toilet roll tube and pretend you're the moon <laughs> yeah um and also for to finish us off here opa you have a short video i sent you of a 1950s woman meets uh, you know, a modern woman. So let's play that video. Welcome to 2022, where you can do anything a man can do. I am so excited to finally be here. Feminism has done so much for women. Do tell. No more aprons, first of all. Do we finally have a butler to cook for us? Oh gosh, no. You'll just eat pre-made greasy crap out of a bag on your way to and from work. I suppose that sounds convenient. Do I get to work outside the home? Totally. You get to sit in a cubicle all day while you stare at a computer screen chugging coffee. So liberating, right? I'm at work all day. Will we finally have a Rosie the Robot maid? <laughs> No, you'll still have to do all the cleaning. That's what your weekends are for, cleaning and laundry. Oh, and errands and yard work. Wait, so I have to work full time plus still manage my home full time? I mean, you want to have it all, right? But what about my husband? Is he amazing? What? No, you're not married. You live alone with your cat. What? You do date though. A lot. You can just have sex with whoever, whatever you want. That sounds kind of gross, actually. Just pick them off of this app. What about pregnancy? Oh, there's this magic pill you take. Totally wrecks your hormones, but keeps you from getting pregnant. The pill is magic. Don't worry. If by chance you do get pregnant, you can totally just kill the baby by having an abortion. Why would I do that? So you can get back to work. Duh. Someone has to fill that cubicle space. I at least happy? Uh, I mean, yeah. As long as you don't skip your antidepressant pill. Another magic pill. Gotta cope somehow. I think I'll just stay here. Get to have purple hair. <laughs> oh man just so just uh a reminder of what it would be like for a 1950s lady to jump into today's society so much women lib in that video all right <laughs> all right so that's all i got for today jeremiah
All right, man. Well, thank you for the the current news. Last week, I accidentally said current history, and so I had to refilm it. But thank you for the current news and for the great memes. And Opa, thank you for another great Opa's Corner. And thank everybody, thank you for joining us here on Skiba News Nation. Uh, I hope you enjoyed episode 20, and we'll see you in episode 21 as we forever stay on the quest for truth. If you would like to submit a story, topic, or have any other inquiries, please email submit at skibanewsnation.com. Also, you can email Jeremiah Skiba personally at jeremiah at skibanewsnation.com. Also, email Jake personally at jake at skibanewsnation.com. If you want to write us a letter, send us something, help support us, or just say hi, please send your letter to Jeremiah Skiba, P.O. Box 560-271, The Colony, Texas 75056. If you write us a letter, I'll do my best to write you back. Hey, Skiba News Nation family, thank you for watching. Please like, share, and subscribe. You can also help support this channel by getting yourself some Skiba News Nation merch. Also, we are proud to announce that we are now on Patreon, where you will get bonus content, shoutouts, and much more. Thank you again for watching and helping us stay on the quest for truth. Huge shout out to all our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do this show without you. If you want to help support us, go to patreon.com forward slash Nation. We are also proud to announce that Skiba News Nation podcast is now available on podcast platforms. 